Hey there, comrades. As you've almost certainly noticed by the episode title, this is not going to be an episode on the history of socialist parties in the States. I was moving last week to a new house, and Grady is going back to school. So there's a lot of prep to be done in both of those areas, so we decided to release a bonus episode we recorded a few months back. This bonus episode covers my dumb question, which was, who the heck is Noam Chomsky? few notes on this. One, uh, this was our first in-person episode, so the audio we were still kind of figuring out. This was also before Noam Chomsky's weird Harper letter thing happened, so give us a pass on that. (laughs) Uh, Finally, we were also drunk, which you'll figure out pretty shortly. So enjoy. Thanks for listening. Here we are in Casa Remy. Yeah. I like how my cat just got here and it's already his house. He's been making it like he's been making it his own domain slowly though. He's making the rounds, surveying his new kingdom. He was kind of he had a he had a very timid start. <laughs> By which you mean he hid behind the toilet for like two hours. We've all been there, man. We've all hid behind the <laughs> toilet for a little, for an unspecified amount of time. Yeah, man. So yeah, I've joined your quarantine bubble. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Good to be in person. Yeah, it's weird. I'm gonna have to pay attention when you talk now. <laughs> <laughs> Can't just be like looking over here, yeah. looking something up, typing, watching Kyle do a, a wow raid. God. Listening to all the furious clacks he makes. It's important, man. You gotta, you know, your procs are going off and... You know, you, someone drew aggro when they shouldn't. God, he... So, I already told you this, but I'm going to retell this story for our dear, dear listeners. <laughs> so, my husband is out of town. He's camping with our fellow quarantine bubble, by the way. Um, so, it's it's not like we broke rules. We're not bad. We're not bad people. And they're, like, in the middle of nowhere. So, like, you know, it's fine. I don't have to just my, justify myself to you. Um... <laughs> But yeah, he's camping, and while he was gone, he's like, listen, I need you to do something for me while I'm gone. I was like, okay. He's like, you gotta go in my World of Warcraft account and get this item. I've been, like, waiting for it for months, and, like, it's really important. So is he trading with somebody to get this, or is it just dropping at that time, or what's the deal? I thought it was a trade at first, but then he walked me through it, and it had, like, 20 fucking steps, and I was just like, I was pre-mad. I was like, I I can already tell I'm gonna hate doing this. (sighs) I think it's like it only drops like once every three months or something. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's insane. Wow was like Animal Crossing before <laughs> Animal Crossing was like, you know, well, I guess it's current incarnation. Animal Crossing is actually, you know, fairly old and storied. Yeah. But yeah, the real time events or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. In that sense, it's obviously way different besides <laughs> that. I haven't killed anyone at Animal Crossing. No, yet. no kills so far. Especially now that my island is only full of cuties. Your island is so good. Thank you. (laughs) So we finally got a chance to... We've seen each other's islands in their baby forms. Yeah, like the the week it came out, I think, we we visited. Since then, this is our first check-in to each other's islands. And one of us, our type A here, has really, (laughs) really set forth, you know... She's really come close to, you know, the communist, you know fully automated luxury gay space animal crossing yeah yeah and i'm still very anarcho-primitivist with mine <laughs> i'm still very i like it uh, it's charming yeah it's rustic that's a nice way to put it <laughs> rustic deconstructed <laughs> all those those fake food network judge phrases yeah it's homey homey yeah, yeah. 
Um, that was fun. I like your villagers. I like your cute pig villager. She was cute. Oh, uh, Lucy. Lucy's great. She's very cute. Yeah. Do you want to do some 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 late night communist learning? <laughs> yeah. Um, full disclosure. This is this is a drunk one. <laughs> hey. Yeah. I don't know if you can tell already. If you couldn't tell already, we we don't strictly adhere to all the lines of what the Soviet Union did. We don't even think that's very useful for leftists to do. And so definitely we don't agree with their kind of anti-alcohol. Did they not like booze? Um, the official Communist Party line was to try to reduce, uh, well, from their perspective, reduce alcohol abuse. Because oh, it was a major problem in, in Russia. Um, and so they were trying to, you know, trying to advocate against that. Okay. Most of them were pretty strict in how they tried to apply that. And mm, they, they got all like, teetotaler. Do yeah. Just basically don't do it. You know, it's bad. But we don't do that. <laughs> no, we don't. We, uh, we we ignore that part. This is our coziest recording situation yet. Like, I'm on a couch. I got a blanket and a glass of wine. I'm pretty happy. Yeah, we're all laid out here. It's great. We just played some Mario Kart. <laughs> I won a good number of the races. You did. I, I did pretty bad. Roy treated me well. Roy, we have a joke that Roy is an abusive <laughs> partner to Grady. Uh, because every time he plays, like he'll do, he'll do great. Like the first race out, and then he'll start doing shitty for him. Yeah, you know, one, two races, something it holds for a little bit, and then I drop off pretty steep. That's probably because we also drink when we play Mario Kart. Yeah, so it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes down to it, I'm not surprised we're recording right now because the, the traditional trajectory of us hanging out is we drink, we play games, and then and we, we just talk about politics. We talk some, yeah. We talk some politics, learn some, talk about some leftist stuff, and here we are. Okay, I will fess up to why why specifically we are here, though. Because <laughs> I, I did my thing where I had an embarrassing question, and I covered my mouth and, and shyly asked the question, who is Noam Chomsky? <laughs> See, it's not that embarrassing of a question, though. Lots of people don't. Can I tell you who I thought he was? Sure, yeah. I thought he was like an old dead philosopher guy. And then I saw him on Twitter with a picture of his face. And I was like, wait a minute. This guy's still alive. <laughs> this guy's still kicking. So that's wow. that's what I know. That's not so <laughs> That's not so far off. He's really old. How old is he? Um, How old is he? <laughs> I don't know. Um, he's probably in his 80s. You can look it up. You know, No spoilers for what he does, but uh, 91. God. Okay, yeah. He's old, 91. That's pretty old. Um, every time I look at him, I'm just like, oh my gosh, because he's now got a, like, a big Santa beard going on. He's, you know, really wizened and stuff. <laughs> but no, 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 a lot of people don't know who Noam Chomsky is. Uh, he started out his career as a linguist. I love linguist stuff. Yeah, he, he was a, a linguist and, and came up with a theory of universal grammar. Mm. Uh, it's the idea that basically humans come into existence. One of the, one of our first things to do is to acquire language, mm-hmm. and we, in some ways, our brains are like pre-wired to acquire language. Astoundingly, regardless of what where we're dropped into, like you or I could have been abducted by aliens, dropped off in. Sub-Saharan Africa, and just like picked up the picked up whatever language, yeah. no problem. Yeah, you know, and we wouldn't think anything of it. Like humans are kind of pre-wired to soak up a language immediately. 
I have two tangents uh, yeah. on, on linguistics. Mm-hmm. One, yeah, sure. my favorite book, or at least it was for a time, is called Holy Shit, The History oh, of Swearing. Yeah, it's such a good book. <laughs> it's really good. Recommend. Um, two, um, I also recently read a book called The Language of Food. And it talked about kind of a similar concept of like certain foods have similar sounds. Um, I can't remember what the example they used was, but like things that sound, uh, I'm I'm trying to remember like sweet, maybe that's not exactly the example, but like across languages, they would have some sort of similar, um, like mouth shape. Okay. Yeah. It's not universal. So like that was a big theory at one point, like, Oh yeah, if something is an egg, it should sound like an egg across all languages or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, it was really interesting. I wonder if that ended up being based in like the Indo-European proto-language or whatever. Oh, like people hypothesize that the there used to be uh, just uh, one or a few. Well, yeah, or there's there's like a kind of a common language ancestor or something mm. in this big swath of language groups from Eurasia in general. You know, yeah, that eventually evolved into the various different groups. That's a very good book. I recommend it. I, I should bring it for you. What's it but- called again? Uh, the language of food. Language of food. Um, yeah. They talk about how like fish and ships traveled from like Persia up through the Mediterranean, and then like they started using fish because like they were on the ocean. Because um, originally it was like a beef dish. Okay. It's like a sweet and sour kind of beef thing, um, like with vinegar, because yeah. vinegar was a preservative. Oh. And then it traveled through the Mediterranean. They started. They swapped out fish. And then um, it got up to Spain, and then a bunch of Jews got kicked out of Spain, and they took yeah. it up to the UK. Whoa. That's and that's cool. how we have fish and chips. And it was very common for Jewish people to run like fish and chip shops, apparently. Nice. That was probably in 1492. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. <laughs> and? And Spain kicked out the Jews, too. Oh. Yeah. Pretty bad. At least it still rhymes. It still rhymes. Hooray. <laughs> um, still bad. Yeah. Both oh. parts. Yeah, both bad. parts. <laughs> Fuck Columbus. We should rename Columbus, Ohio, Flavortown. Oh my god, that article We're made 100% me... 100% for it. The article shaved, or added, 10 years to my life. <laughs> okay, uh, let's circle back, back to around Chomsky. to Noam Chomsky. What's up, he guys? He would appreciate that discourse. I don't know. He would probably call us stooges of the <laughs> imperial state or something. I mean, like I literally almost said he's looking down on us, and then I remembered he's alive again. This poor man. I'm wishing he's totally alive again. So uh, he's totally alive. Has been alive. He was a linguist, and he got involved in the anti-war movement in the Vietnam era. Hey, I like that. Yeah, he was um, good start. You know, he's an academic. He was just in. uh, I don't even know what university he was at, but he was um, decided. You know, hey, I've I've got to speak out. I've got to do something to try to fight against this horrible atrocity, this horrible war that's happening. Um, and that kind of got him involved in in left milieu or, or whatever, you know, kind of movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on TV, you know, kind of debating various right-wing figures and stuff at that time. Yeah, how did he get um, on TV? He's just like a professor. Uh, right. Well, he kind of drew some controversy. Uh, people were like, what the fuck? This professor is. I feel like back then being a professor was like more famous. Uh, <laughs> like, or maybe that's not the right word, but like. You could get in trouble for saying shit if you're a professor. Like, because now, like, my professors do all kinds of fucking shit. So, like, yeah, professors can openly be. Um, you got to think about it, too. This is the 60s coming out of McCarthy's Red Scare mm-hmm. era. Sure, you know, you had professors who had leftist tendencies or whatever, 
and their academics. But it had been kind of covered up for for kind of a little while uh, in American society. But he comes out very anti-war, you know, strident in that movement. And he, over time, kind of develops into a major critic of American foreign policy. This is his main thing, although he is also, he also has a strong, you know, strong views in terms of domestic policy as well. Okay. Um, but he, I think, where he offers a lot of really good points uh, is in his critique of American uh, imperialism. Okay. Uh, America. Yeah. Bucking around all over the globe. <laughs> and he drew attention to that. In like the, in the 70s and I guess maybe the 80s too. Yeah, in the 80s too late 70s 80s east timor where's that east timor is um indonesia right which would be indonesia well the first result was east timor genocide yep go back to google and search for indonesia east timor or something i think it's indonesia officially it's an island country in southeast asia Uh surrounded by indonesian west timor one of the things he drew attention to uh, was the in that you know late seventies early eighties time frame was uh, America's support for the Indonesian regime at the time, which was really fucking up uh, a region called East Timor. Okay, um, and basically uh, what happened was uh, America, while publicly saying we're not dealing arms to these guys. We're not backing these guys. We want a peaceful solution. Hey, democracy, were they, blah, blah. Were they dealing arms and backing these guys? Dealing arms, training <laughs> soldiers. Uh, also, literally giving them the green light to go ahead and invade. Man, like, we're and, predictable. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and this was Predictably before, bad. But this was before we were that predictable, you know? Oh, okay. Because um, think about it. In, in, in that really? time frame, uh, we hadn't done... Iran Contra yet, so oh, we hadn't, okay. you know, sold uh, sold arms in the Middle East and used you know, this, this is the whole practice run. Role. Yeah, this is this is kind of a trial run for that. We hadn't done that yet. Um, we hadn't done the weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Lying about that to get into it yet. Nicaragua. Uh, we hadn't. I know that one. We had done some stuff already. I mean, we had knocked off uh, uh, Arbenz in Guatemala. By this point, we had knocked off Salvador Allende. We knocked off the Shah in Iran. Oh, yeah. We had been doing some assassinations. I know that one from Argo. Yeah. We had had been doing (laughs) some bad stuff. It's not, this isn't our first, our first sin, but (laughs) it's definitely a a pretty bad one. Uh, But we had been out there saying, let's make sure everything's good for democracy, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. Meanwhile, we're actually giving the green light for the Indonesians to invade East Timor and carry out basically a genocide. Jesus. Was it like a, I mean, maybe this is a stupid question. Is it like a cultural genocide kind of thing? Or is there any other kind of genocide? I don't actually know. Uh, Genocide, its standard definition is just, you know, murdering folks. Mm -hmm. But I feel like usually it's applied in terms of like, it's all one kind of people. So you're saying, were they targeting a... A particular group. ethnic group. I'm not sure if there were ethnic groups involved or if it was more of a political thing. Like, did you support mm. the East Timor government? Well, then, psh, liquidated. Kind of Russian <laughs> Civil War style, you know. Yeah. But he was he was someone who was 
really highlighting that alone voice almost, you know, in the wilderness as far as as far as doing that. And, you know, really ever since he's been uh, a major critic of what America does pretty much at all times. Well, in terms of everything, he's a critic of American empire. He himself, I guess, is a... He's an anarcho-syndicalist, is I think how he's described himself. One of those guys. Yeah. Close to us Mm -hmm. in ideology, as we discovered. We're anarcho-communists, so... Yeah. Mostly. Mostly. Um, He's he's similar to that, you know. Okay. Uh, Syndicalists were the ones that wanted, like, vouchers and shit. Hmm. No. So he's the one that wanted to do that. The unions. To run it through the unions. Unions, yeah. that's what it was. Uh, and he's kind of loose on that. Like, he's broadly speaking what he terms a libertarian socialist, which is just that whole spectrum that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And comms and everybody is all libertarian socialist. Yeah. Um, he wants that. He wants, you know, independent federations of people. Very distrustful of government. Yeah. Um, Man, it's so hard for me to hear the word libertarian and not be like, oh. But it's great because, like, uh, because I think libertarians can be very distrustful, distrustful of a government from above, without being distrustful of the notion that people can work together. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, I think that makes sense. Like the concept of like libraries and stuff, like, or or public services that people, you know, a community join together and, and utilize and everything. Uh, that doesn't have to be. I don't think that has to be mandated from above or, or, you know, get the man out of my library. So, yeah. you know, it doesn't, why can't you have communal things like that? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's kind of where Chomsky comes from in terms of his background. Okay. He was on Richard Nixon's enemies list. Ooh, that's a fun list. You ever heard of this? No. So Richard Nixon apparently had a list of enemies that he... You know, people he fucking hated. I'm sure, listeners. We all have that list. I was going to say, like, you might be good enough to where you don't, you know, you might be like a pure hearted enough person. Uh-huh. You don't, you don't a cinnamon ha- bun. hate anyone or you don't really, you know, even dislike anyone that strongly. Can I say I don't trust those people? <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like, what I had a hard time at first, like, connecting with someone because, like, they were so nice and never talked shit about anybody. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, I want to know, like, what fucking bugs you? <laughs> and then whenever they, one day they finally, like, broke down and complained about somebody at work. And I was like, tell me everything. Like, I want to know. Did they really go off? Were they like, just, they were still pretty mild about it, honestly. Yeah. But I'm like, for you, this is like saying they're Satan. So, like, good job. Anyway, I think venting's healthy. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Nixon agreed. Richard Nixon. <laughs> good. American president. Good uh, company. Uh, actually had a list of people who he had one of his aides like write down like here's here are the motherfuckers i don't like um and actually sent it in a memo to one of his other aides like this is just you know actual correspondence in his within his administration jesus uh and it came to light during it's like a burn book uh yeah yeah (laughs) and people found out you know during the watergate hearings that this existed and one of the the journalist who broke the story (laughs) Who found out that was this he list it? was... He, he was on it. Oh, no. That's like some like middle school like sitcom drama. Yeah. Dan, oh, Daniel no. Shore. You know, Poor he's, Daniel. He's breaking the story. Like, Daniel Shore. <laughs> like me. I'm like, oh, man. Uh, Nixon would 
sometimes he would target people and like, try to get dirt on them and try to, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Chomsky was on this list okay. of enemies. I have also heard of Chomsky in reference to his work on talking about media. Yeah, I, I heard that he... I can't remember the name of that book. Manufacturing Consent. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, there's also an incredible documentary yeah. based on the book. It's kind of 90s-ish. <laughs> I uh, love that. So it's cool in that sense, yeah. You know, it does interviews with him, other people. It's a really good... It's a really good look at the media. I've read the book, but kind of long ago, so I don't call off the top of my head too much about it, other than his main thesis of uh, that... American media is very bought into, um, is very, like, it's corporate. Mm-hmm. It serves a purpose, and its purpose is not just to inform its readers about facts in an unbiased way. Its purpose is not to make sure that America has a functioning democracy with well-informed voters. <laughs> its function is to, is to serve the interest of the people who hold stock in it you know the people who um, fund it yeah i had heard about it in like more of a pop culture sense too like he referenced you know like how popular television shows were kind of seeding imperialism basically say more about that what do you mean okay so god i hate that i reference the same like five things every episode um this is is from the west wing thing you've got a thing so yeah um, I'm on a kick, okay? Maybe maybe Senpai will notice me if I keep <laughs> referencing them. But yeah, no, they were talking... I mean, this was from um, one of their episodes where I'm like going through the back catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they mentioned manufacturing consent in the documentary. And they said like it talks about how like, you know, the Brady Bunch aw- was using its platform to like be pro like war and stuff like that. Like basically setting up these characters that you like that also like bad things dang the brady bunch was i mean i don't know i'm pro-imperialist again this is second hand (laughs) so that so your likable characters are i think that was uh that was something with what was that show all in the family or something Mm, archie bunker he's like the the crotchety old yeah yeah but the thing was the writers were like trying to say, look at this boorish guy. He has all these retrograde views about race and whatever. What an idiot. But <laughs> people, you know, nowadays and just, you know, anyone who, who kind of, a lot of people who appreciate that show from back in the day, like liked it, identified with him, even though the writers were trying to like say, yeah, look at this look, look dummy. Look at this doofus. Yeah. He's, they're like, yeah, you know, wasn't it better when Americans, you know, men were yeah. men and, you know. I feel like that's common in a lot of media, like the whole anti-hero trope. Mm-hmm. Like, how many fucking dumbass dudes think that Walter White is the end hero of right, Breaking yeah. Bad? <laughs> Walter White, good guy, you know, Tony like, Soprano, I want to exactly. be like him. Yeah. It's like, no, that's psychopathic. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I guess that speaks to maybe Americans' feeling of alienation, just latching on to somebody who also fights against not against the system but like feels aggrieved by the system mm-hmm. even though maybe it the system is actually working for them yeah oh, there's another point i wanted to make about about manufacturing consent yeah oh yeah where where can people stream that oh yeah it's on youtube man 
all of it? Check it out. Manufacturing consent. Hell yeah. Two hours before commitment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Uh, so, yeah, check that on on YouTube for sure. Uh, he breaks down kind of one of the interesting things I thought from the documentary was his meticulous. I don't know how much how this guy had that much time on his hands, but his meticulous breakdown of uh, the New York Times coverage of the Indonesian occupation of East Timor, oh, what we were okay. talking about before. Yeah. Uh, but he was analyzing like how they referred to various things, whether it was, you know, terrorist group violence, whatever, mm-hmm. or like, you know, state uh, police actions or you know terminology in terms of uh, like we mentioned this in the police episode with with passive yeah. voice and things and kind of trying to excuse what what different groups were doing and make other groups sound like they were terrible. Yeah, I mean that stuff matters, and I, I think that's what frustrates me when people say things like "oh, like representation shouldn't matter that much" or like like basically dismissing a lot of media in in terms of like what kind of impact does it actually have, and it's like mm-hmm. it's a lot, man, and like. I don't know, this kind of jumps back to pop culture again, but I think it's easy to be swayed by these kind of, um, I think Netflix is a big example of this where they seem progressive and everything, but Mm -hmm. like, I mean, a lot of shows on there are not progressive too. Like, I I think it's easy to see the whole movie and television industry in general as this very progressive leftist, not even leftist, but just, we'll just say progressive, um, liberal zone, um, you know, that is concerned with diversity and is concerned with, you know, women and all these things. But when it comes down to it, like people own these companies, like the writers don't just get to do whatever they want, even if they are cool or whatever, like it's still a business and still exploiting people. And it still has its own agenda. And it typically doesn't, in my opinion, seem to go too far afield. You know, mm-hmm. they might be like, oh, we do need some more representation. You know, oh, people do need to be more woke. They do need to do, <laughs> they do, need to do some things. But it seems like it's like they do, they do need to do these things within capitalism. Exactly. Yeah. We need to have more female person of color <laughs> CEOs, you know. Yeah. We need oh, to have more. prison guards. Those. Yeah, we need to have more trans uh, drone pilots, you know, like. <laughs> More people who get blown up Mm -hmm. in in Arabic countries need to be from someone non-binary. Yeah, it's it's bad, man. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, like, I do think representation matters. Like, I am a firm believer of that. But yeah, I also believe in like dismantling capitalism. Yeah, I think it does. I think you can do both at the same time. You should be doing both at the same time because if you're not, if you're saying, "Oh, we, we just need to get the right people in the right places." Okay, why are you putting that all on those people who are getting put there? Like, if you want to, uh, let's say, okay, you think that, you know, the the army or the military carries out, like, you know, bad missions overseas. They're just, like, carrying out. They're not the ones ordering the missions to happen. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so, like, having women in high positions, <laughs> cool. okay, doesn't change anything. You know, yeah. the police, like, okay, well, let's say you have more black police officers they can kind of change things in terms of operating on the ground, but their mission remains the same. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like that doesn't, that part doesn't change. Yeah. And I, th- I think pop culture wise, it's, it's a little different. I feel like you can get some things like under the radar. Like I, I think I talked about this already, but like avatar has a very anti-imperialist message. A lot of kids shows now do too. Like she, I just finished that and I was weeping cause it was so good and so gay. 
Um, but it also has a very anti-colonialist message and like a lot of shows have this and I think they can get away with it cause they're like a children's show. Same with Steven universe actually. Um, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think they can kind of push that envelope a little more and be like kind of teaching kids that like, Hey, like you don't have to listen to authority all the time and people are less likely to take it seriously because it's a kid's show. I love um, that. Yeah. I like it though. And then those, all those shows have great representation. Avatar a little. I mean, no. I mean, it does too. Not as much queer stuff, but. Sure. That's good. <laughs> Gives you hope. Yeah. Like, I do take comfort whenever I, you know, because whenever I teach, you know, American history, one of my big bad guys to start out the year is Christopher Columbus, because fuck <laughs> that guy, you know? Fuck him. And so I take pains to be like, look, listen, this guy showed up, and the first thing he thinks about is how, you know, how easily he could enslave everybody. And then he sets about, you know, instituting uh, a reign of terror that would make, you know, Robespierre blush <laughs> and Stalin be like, wow, comrade, are you serious? Take it easy. You know? Yeah. I mean, he's just, just complete bloodlust. And there's really not a lot of like the kids saying, oh, come on, Christopher Columbus, good guy. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's just like, damn, this guy sounds like an asshole. Yeah. It's are they surprised? Somewhat. Like they're, they're like... When it gets the gruesome, the, the gruesome, uh, whoa, you know, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know? But in general, they're, they get the notion or they, they kind of feel it already when we get to things about Native Americans being, you know, completely uh, genocided out of their land. Yeah, they're, lo- they're like, they have the groundwork yeah, laid they, already. They kind of already sense that. That's they kind good. of already see it happening and they're like, and... To the extent that they do or they don't, they still pretty much on its face, or they're just like, "That sucks." Yeah, that's not fair. You yeah, know? and it's 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 clear to them. That's good. Somewhere along the way, they may lose that, and hopefully, <laughs> they don't. But at least you know. for that moment, they're thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I find myself even surprised still, like as like a fucking twenty-seven-year-old living in the world, like. I watch um, Latin History for Morons. It's mm-hmm. a John Leguizamo's stand-up show. Mm-hmm. And um, it, like, was so intense because he just straight up talks numbers about the genocide of Latin America at one point. And you just realize how many fucking people died and were completely wiped out for resources. And it's just, like, it's very upsetting to me, and especially, like, as a Latinx person, just realizing, like, that was, like, our ancestors and, like, our bloodline is made up of Spaniards who probably raped our ancestors. Like, definitely. I would go ahead and say, definitely. And, like, that is just so messed up that, like, an entire empire, and multiple empires of people were just killed. From our perspective, I guess the culture that we call don't call fully our own, maybe, but very identify with, you know, very much identify with, wasn't, you know, is, is a blend of, is a direct result of that. Yeah. Of, of that destructive yeah. process. Because, you know? like, literally the definition of being, like, Mexican is a mix of, like, Aztec and Spanish blood. And it's just, like, it's kind of fucked up to live with both sides of that. And Mexico is a highly Catholic, uh, Catholic uh, mm-hmm. country. And that Catholicism was put to them at the end of a sword. I oh, mean, yeah. I, I'm writing a book right now, and a lot of this is part of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to give away everything, but yes. But, yeah, like, a lot of the... You know, the temples, uh, uh, I call them 
the churches, you know, the cathedrals that they built. <laughs> you um, forgot the word churches, homie. Cathedrals, cathedrals. <laughs> <laughs> um, that they built were purposefully On uh, top placed. of. Yeah, they were placed on top of, you know, Aztec, Mayan shrines of various sorts. Yeah, know. yeah. Uh, native religious rites were, you know, crushed in that way. Yeah. It's just fucked. How can we circle back around to Chomsky? <laughs> back to Noam Chomsky. Oh, God, Chomsky yeah. Um, what else does this dude do? The old chomper? Do they call him the chomper? That's a good nickname. Supported the Occupy movement. Hey. He is one of the most cited scholars alive. For linguist stuff, you know, not for <laughs> being a leftist. Yeah, that's such a weird mix. It really is. I think nowadays he's known more for... Anti-imperialism, anti-capitalism stuff, you know? I'm trying to think how, like, the dude got there, you know? Do you think he was looking for that universal language and he was like, man, we're all the same and we all deserve the same opportunities, no, no, <laughs> you know? That's that's from earlier in his life, his political Oh, leanings. okay. Um, he'd always been kind of left-wing uh-huh. um, because of, of his upbringing, like, with, I think, his uncle or someone like that. Let me pull that up. He, he his, his uncle, I think... Ran a, ran a bookstore or like a newsstand. Mm-hmm. Oh, this, this is how far back. Because he was born yeah, in 1928. Jesus Christ. He grew up in Philadelphia. He described his parents as normal Roosevelt Democrats. Okay. With center-left politics. Hmm. But other relatives were involved in the International Ladies Garments Workers Union. Oh, like that. And they exposed him to socialism and far-left politics. Yummy, yumma. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing I wanted to talk with you about at some point. We can do it now, because I've had one. The Overton window. I like this theory, I guess. I don't like what's happening with it, but I think it's an interesting frame framing work framework. The Overton window being, as you understand it. As I understand it, it's the idea of there's kind of like an acceptable range of opinions, politically okay, yeah. speaking. And, you know, you have the left side and you have the right side. And what made me think of it is then you're describing his parents as like centrist Democrats. And I'm just curious as if we mm. brought those people here now, would their centrist Democrats be anything like our centrist Democrats now? Because no. the Overton window, from what I understand, has shifted dramatically to the right. In terms of economic things. Economic, yes. yes. Yeah. Sorry, socially. So uh, like this window is like stretching. It's weird. And it's like vertically. But you're completely correct. Uh, it's vertically growing horizontally. If ver- Wait, hold on. <laughs> Shut up, guys. I've had some wine. <laughs> if, um, ec- let's say economics. Which one do you want economics to be? Horizontal or vertical? Play with. It's typically uh, horizontal. Okay. So we can say that it grew horizontally to the right. But vertically, it scooted to the left socially side. to the left which means so like libertarian yeah okay sorry guys that was really convoluted i just really wanted to picture yeah. a, a window squishing a, and squashing an, an oblong window yeah um no but like okay, yeah so you raise an interesting question if you brought his parents here to the modern day be racist they would have voted <laughs> well i don't know i mean they're jewish they probably wouldn't have had to you know they would probably wouldn't have been they probably wouldn't have had too many personal prejudices or whatever mm-hmm. and, and probably would have hoped that everyone were treated equally under the law because they're in a, in a minority at the time but they would have been voting for bernie sanders yeah bernie yeah. sanders is essentially you know roosevelt yeah in terms of 
what is actually and now we're i mean if you again looking at the media and how they portray things that is portrayed as like fucking far radical left (laughs) when it's like no you don't even want to know what far radical left has in mind because that means y'all y'all are up on the wall (laughs) yeah uh so i was right about he was substantially influenced by his uncle Uh uh-huh and the jewish leftists who frequented his new york city newspaper stand Uh to debate current affairs so uh, he frequented left-wing and anarchist bookstores, uh, which I want to go to an I anarchist bookstore. I would love store. to go to an anarchist bookstore. That sounds dope. He wrote his first article at age 10 on the spread of fascism following the, sp- the fall of Barcelona during the Spanish Civil War. Uh, Barcelona being a an anarcho-syndicalist uh, oh, yeah, uh, I remember you said that. Like city at the time. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was kind of doing its own thing until the fascists came and crushed it. The only thing I know about the Spanish Civil War is that it was nasty AF and that like lots of cool art came out of it because everyone was so traumatized. Yeah, that's where you get uh, Picasso's Guernica, Guernica right? You get Guernica, uh, and then also, um, gosh, this guy did a bunch of cool etchings, too. That's fine. <laughs> I am too lazy to Google that one. But yeah, it was very fucked up. It was. I think you have... Hemingway was mm. in the Civil War at some point, like an ambulance driver or something like that. I know Orwell went. He wrote Jeez. homage to Catalonia and stuff like that. Man, why would you go to a Civil War, man? That sounds like the worst time to go somewhere. I mean, I guess they but really... it was what was happening, especially if you were interested in anti-fascism. You know, yeah. Well, according to the President, if you were a terrorist, you know. Um, <laughs> but if you were interested in fighting against fascism at the time. Your governments weren't doing anything concrete yet. Yeah. They were still saying, this isn't us, this isn't us. Nationalism. Yeah. Unless you were in Germany, unless you were in Spain or Italy, like you you didn't have a way to do anything about it. Or if you were, you know, getting invaded somewhere that they were invading. This was the only way to do it. I mean, America had a a volunteer group of people called the Abraham Lincoln Brigade. (laughs) What a name. uh, That went. Yeah. It was, you know. Sort of informal to start out with, but it was various, you know, leftists pretty much, and wow. or just young men wanted to go fight, you know. But yeah. they, you know, went to the Civil War, volunteered for the Republicans, the Spanish Republicans, which are not <laughs> not uh, ours. American Republicans, but fought against fascism there. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, Chomsky identifying as an anarchist by the age of twelve or thirteen. Like, Damn, really cool. I was young. Not, I was not that cool no. at that age. Dude, all your birthday... I'm putting you on blast. All your birthday lists were like, I want a million dollars. Yep. Like, you I just wanted money. Super materialist, man. I still am. I am Stuff is fun. I like it. I like stuff. Same. I want to abolish stuff, but I like it. <laughs> I don't want to abolish... I want all of everyone to have as much as That's... Money. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can do that, man. There's, there's enough fucking money. There's enough resources. It's just some assholes at the top, man. I mean, there's not, like, enough... Okay, we all gotta take a step down, because, like, ugh, fucking climate change, guys. But let's figure that out. We'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, we probably will. This is the one <laughs> soothing me to sleep. Like, I'm fine. Don't worry okay. about it. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Just it's put okay. it away. Uh, what other questions do you have about Chomsky? I, I literally didn't know who he was as a thing. So you probably tell me any fact, and I'd be like, cool. Did you know Chomsky is part... is? One sixty-fourth giraffe. That's not true. <laughs> Couldn't tell me that. I I'm I haven't finished this class yet. 
try it again later. Yeah, I guess I just want to know what like his big theses. Ew. Theses is multiple. Thesis is just one. Well, I was trying to say theses multiple, but I just it sounds too much like shit. Okay. Um, I want to know what his big what are his big ideas. What's the big shit about Chomsky? What's the big shit about Chomsky? That's the name of the episode. The big shit about Chomsky. Um, I mean he's he's a left wing, you know, libertarian socialist academic. Really, yeah. He doesn't. But that's interesting to me that he's again like I'm, he's he's an academic, but in a different field. Like that's funny. Yeah, now he has a lot of a lot more, you know, uh, cash. He's he's got a lot more pull in terms of political things, just because he's spoken on it and researched on it so mm-hmm. much in his own. That's cool. But yeah, he's he's a really good voice, I think, to listen. So if you're a listener who's more of a you know more of a hardliner, or more sympathetic toward like strict, straight up Marxist-Leninist communism, or you mm-hmm. know, more tanky in your and your affiliations, you might see Chomsky as more like, more of a softy, more of a sock den. Would you consider him that? You would consider him that because he's he's less authoritarian. I mean, he's he's in that bracket that doesn't he? You know, yeah. he would be someone who's like, no, I don't want a vanguard party. I don't want to. Do, okay, yeah. I don't like authority, basically. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. So but he's yeah. not saying he's not like a reformist kind of guy. I don't think he is, and he's he's he was very critical. He was, it was weird what he was doing, but he was critical of people who were saying, you know, oh, Bernie Sanders, so far left, blah, blah, blah. You know, and he was like, this guy's Roosevelt. This guy, yeah, this it's is just, not that that's crazy. all he's doing. He's, it's just the New Deal. He, he was actually saying, you know, Sanders would be better off if he would just tell people, I'm going to, you know, do the New Deal. Yeah, again. did you like the New Deal? Let's do that again. Yeah, he was <laughs> saying, like, he doesn't need to be going out there saying, I'm a socialist, I'm this, that, because he's not. He's just doing small <laughs> reforms, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, true. Yeah, he probably could have done a lot better, huh? He was critical of him in, in that sense, but also, you know, obviously supportive of him because yeah, he, yeah. he did, you know, he he does like the direction that would be going. Another thing I really liked, there's a video of Ch- uh, an interview that Chomsky does. I don't remember the year, I think, because it's in the ni- late 90s sometime, maybe, or early 2000s. I don't remember if he talks about Bush, this, uh, about George W. Bush in it, too. But he apparently made the claim at some point in his career that every president, every president in the post-war period, meaning post-World War II, could and should be indicted for war crimes. Honestly, yes. And his interviewers was like, okay, what the fuck? Like, what do you, you know, what do you mean? Like, come on, they're American presidents. What? <laughs> What are you talking about, you know? Yeah. And he was like, well, I mean, come on, it's pretty obvious. So he had him walk through all the presidents. Oh, and my say God. What he did. So he's like, okay, so like, you know, what bad stuff did Eisenhower do? He's like, okay, well, easy. Eisenhower did, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he just when, like pulled out receipts. Yeah, because, you know, and so what can you say? Well, uh, Eisenhower is uh, president when we order the... When we order knocking off the Shah in Iran, uh, when we order the assassination of Yakub Arbenz in Guatemala, I mean, you know, he did have a body count, and he, and he did. He's like, okay, okay, fine. What about John F. Kennedy? He's like, oh, <laughs> Kennedy, easy, babe, Higgs, and then he goes on. 
That's fantastic. And he just walks him down. You know, I think when he gets to Nixon, he's like, well, we don't really even have to spend time with Nixon. I mean, everyone knows Nixon. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. He, Puts him on blast. Yeah. All of them. I, I think he goes through Clinton, I know. I don't remember if he also talked shit about George W. Bush or not. I don't know if that had happened <laughs> yet. But but I, but I agree. You know, it's it's... When when people when you criticize Obama and say oh he did all these drone strikes and stuff people say well you know by that standard every American president yeah and it's like that's bad maybe we shouldn't have an American president then yeah like obviously there's something fucking wrong if every American president ends up a war criminal by taking the office like you know yeah maybe that's that's, maybe that's not a good sign (laughs) just because everyone's doing I mean it's the fucking classic don't don't jump off a cliff thing like you can't just yeah. It doesn't make it okay. Ugh. But no, um, one thing that I saw in the news recently, apparently, was that uh, Chomsky apparently said that Trump is the worst criminal in history, undeniably. <laughs> just criminal, period? Just criminal. Like, I don't know if he means... Like, as a president or just as a person? Well, no, what I mean is I don't know if he means worst in terms of offenses or worst, <laughs> or worst in terms at of being. bad at it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I'm picturing, like, he's got his little... Oh, this is in jacket. you call it when a, when a robber has, like, a... A ski mask? It's not a ski mask, though. It's just... I'm picturing the Hamburglar right now. Oh, the reverse ski mask. Where it's just like a mask, and it's just yeah. like a bandana, basically, with eyes cut out. I don't know what you call that. It's called the Hamburglar. You it's, know? Called the, it's called the Hamburglar. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm picturing Trump in one of those, just, like, badly trying to do crimes. I saw this tweet the other day, and I, I saved it for later because I wanted to come back to it. Um, for the record, the person who told me that I needed to read Marx to keep reading Marx and to not read Marx through lenses that presupposed that what I would find there conformed with what I'd been told about Marx was my dissertation advisor, and her name was Angela Davis. This is from at touch face, touch faith on Twitter. Yeah. So like, I, I think a lot of, there's been some kind of weird pushback in the leftist space right now. Um, which I understand, like we should definitely be amplifying black voices and black women voices. Mm-hmm. But I think there's some kind of a, a reaction of like, okay, well let's throw out all the white guy voices too. And I'm like, I mean, I get it. I fucking hate white people too. I'm right there with you. But also like Marx is still, valuable and yeah. like it's still a valuable framework and I've, I've seen a lot of um angela davis versus noam chomsky discourse too and i'm just like why well, can't poor kid no last dos yeah <laughs> and that's that's if i'm understanding it correctly that's what angela davis is saying in that quote right? yeah she's yeah. saying like this is what i got from it but don't don't just take it from me go read some marks yeah right? and i would say that is like i i mean i i I think leftist faces use the term woke jokingly, and I do too at this point. Sure. I would consider myself woke in the sense mm-hmm. that I really give a shit about representation and diversity and, like, all that shit. Like, that's my that's my shit. That's why I make art. I consciously believe in it, but you are <laughs> more like, that's your pulse, you know? That's yeah, that's that's why I make work, is so yeah. that little fat Latinx non-binary weirdos can see their work in me. Yeah. Not that... Being non-binary is weird. I'm saying that facetiously. Um, someone who feels someone who feels queer and weird made to feel weird in this society. Is yeah, what you mean, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. As a someone who like kind of identifies as woke, I guess that's a shitty sure. term, but who has definitely in the past identified as woke. 
still coming to Marx through this podcast was still very eye opening for me. And I like think about like his fucking advice on like a near daily basis. It's yeah. It's I, very good. <laughs> I think we did well to start with the Communist Manifesto reading because it was because you do you do hear a lot about like oh do we need this anymore? Well, yeah, you hear that and you hear like leftist Marxist bros, you know, like white yes. man, old dead white man reading Marx and or you know yeah advocating Marx and this old stiltified European ideology. Mm-hmm. And everything. You, you and I admit, I was skeptical at first. Like, what does this little white man have to teach me? <laughs> right. But there's a reason why, you know, so many, so many anti-colonial movements throughout the world, you know, not the capitalist world, but what they would call the undeveloped world or whatever, have reached to, you know, gone to Marx for, yeah. for that and everything, for liberation. Why there's so many, you know, Marxist feminists and everything. It's yeah. Because it's, it's all... It's implicitly recognized that it's intersectional. My cat just knocked something over. And it's not the intersectionality that liberals will sell you of like, well, slap a rainbow sticker on it and Mm -hmm. McDonald's is intersectional or something. Yeah. It's actual anti-capitalist intersectionality. I mean, here's the thing. I, I think I've been very impressed with how the Black Lives Matter movement, for the most part, in some some more centrist spaces, it has not, mm-hmm. um, but has embraced like an anti-capitalist structure. And it's, it's very telling to me that like, these two things are intertwined, guys, like we cannot just pretend, once you start, once you stop hating brown people, the world's gonna be great, you yeah. know, or that once you get rid of capitalism, that you'll suddenly start liking brown people, like, you got to do both. Right? Yeah. If you I don't know what's the best way to put it. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think you're right. <laughs> that's that, the best I, I way to put it for to me. Add to it. You just said, yes, that's correct. Um, I mean, they're they're so intertwined, and like, I mean, we talked about you know the genocide of Latin America and their their indigenous peoples. Like those two things were combined. People went into a region, said, "This place has stuff. I deserve this stuff more than the people who live here because they're not as good as me." And that's yeah. like all of capitalism. <laughs> I deserve that's, this stuff more. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking of is the passage in Marx that we read that we both were like, oh, this is something. Is the part where he says, you know, the pursuit of more markets will drive the capitalists all across the globe in, yeah. in, empire, in, in search of empire. You know, Lenin described it as the as imperialism is the higher form of capitalism. That basically capitalism, oh yeah, you know, kind of morphs, grows uh, into an imperialism that seeks to you know stomp down some people, extract from them natural resources. It's basically taking you know Marx's model of the capitalist bourgeois class oppressing the proletariat and globalizing it, right, and saying yeah. you have capital in the in the imperial homeland and it stomps on and oppresses and extracts from the proletariat of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it now, we definitely have this, you know? Yeah. Uh, American workers are oppressed by, you know, American capitalists, but we're also beneficiaries in, you know, way less ways than the capitalist classes, but still beneficiaries of a global capitalism. Yeah. That, How we get our cheap ass phones and clothes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's all that's intertwined, and, and racism is a big, 
you know, we're not talking personal bigotry, but like racism as a system is. That's the thing too. Yeah, systemic racism is so completely different from from personal racism. Yeah, I, we've talked about this before too. It's just like it's not just about being like you're different. Like I, I, I don't aesthetically care don't like your color. I don't coloring. care if you were, you know, black, brown, yellow, purple, purple or polka dot. Oh God. Which is a fine expression to use if you want to use it, but I don't, you know, it doesn't convey what most people are talking about when they talk about actual racism happening. Yeah. Racism doesn't refer, and listeners, you might know this, that, you know, it doesn't refer to just like your personal feelings (laughs) or the personal feelings of anybody else. Is, Is society rendering just and fair outcomes to people regardless of their race? Yeah. And it's usually not. <laughs> I have two things. Yeah. So I'm going to say list them so we don't forget. Because I've had one. One is um, the difference between equality and equity. And one, another, the other one is but going back to imperialism. The I want to talk about British imperialism for a second. All right. Um, which one do you want first? Let's go with the equity thing because we're sure, on that. Sure, we just mentioned it. Okay. <laughs> just, you mentioned, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, so this is one of my big pet peeves with with the idea of equality. Is people are like, well, if it's really equal, let's all let's just take out affirmative action and that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. I I read a lot of advice columns. It's my favorite thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. Oh my gosh. Um, Slate put they had theirs behind a paywall for like a week, and I was so sad. Oh my god, Ooh. they took it back out, and I'm I love hearing about other people's messy drama. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you start to notice patterns in there. And one is a big one is the idea of fair relationships. Okay. People will go into, especially like I read parent who wants to, even though I'm not a parent, <laughs> but they'll be like, well, we're about to have a baby and I want to make sure that we're splitting the work equally that like, you know, you know, should I, um, should we just do daycare? Or should we do this? Like they're just, I mean, I, this applies to other things too. This is also, I read a, a sex advice column. They do a similar thing where it's like, do I need to reciprocate if this happens and blah, blah, blah. And across the board, these columnists are like, no, equality is not the same thing as equity. If you do this for me, that does not mean I have to do an equal and opposite reaction for me. It means like, do both people in the situation feel like they're being treated fairly and that like they're cool with this basically. Like, it's not like I'm going to set a timer for like, I handed you the baby, go, <laughs> I'm going to yeah. go chill. Yeah. Like, that would be insane. But if it, if it just makes more sense, like, okay, yeah, I have a more flexible work schedule. So yeah, I'm going to have the baby a little more. Like, that's what you got to do. Yeah, You know what I mean? And like, I feel like people get so hung up in like literal equality that they don't think about equity. <laughs> they want to make sure they don't get ripped off. But yeah, I think that people get hung up in that with equality versus equity in terms of yeah they're like oh if we're all and another thing is that when people say oh if we're all equal let's take race off of like job applications and stuff i'm like one day maybe but not right not right now because that means only white people are you know like you'll they'll find another way to discriminate via like you know names you know they'll be like okay yeah i'm not gonna hire whoever because Mm -hmm. of this so like and they do they do they do that already they do discriminate names wise i think that uh I think people also get hung up on the on the thing of like, well, I didn't benefit from <laughs> slavery, so I don't know why I have to suffer. Or maybe mm-hmm. like I personally didn't do this. Yeah. So it's like, cool. Or if they're if they're more sure, they'll be like, my family didn't <laughs> do any of this stuff. You know, whatever. It's like you still had a leg up, bro. You didn't get redlined. 
the thrust for most people doesn't seem to be take away from the white people give to mm-hmm. non-whites. It doesn't seem to, it, I don't know, the main emphasis doesn't, isn't really on taking away from people and giving to others. It's just like making sure that people get what they what they deserve. Like, let, you know, people get yeah remedies these social ills. And that's what confuses me, too, is especially when you talk to, like, I mean, poor whites. Like, <laughs> I don't know if there's a more polite way to say that, but there's this idea of, like, well, no, I'm going to get taxed, and then they'll have it. And it's like, you're probably not getting taxed that much, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's I guess that's a better way to put it is, yeah, if, if we're running, like, okay, how we would put this together, right? We mm-hmm. would probably put this together as, like, eh, just tax the fucking rich people. Yeah. Some more money. It's just the rich people. Put it in the general fund. All we're, we're and we're not okay. This is another smart political thing to do if you're trying to advocate. This is you're not don't fall into the neoliberal trap of paying for things as you go of saying like oh I will raise this percentage tax mm-hmm. to make sure that we can do this program. Don't fucking do that because what they're trying to get you to do is to create a equality tax to create an affirmative action tax. Oh. All right. Don't do that. Just just raise it like once big time and then pay for everything? Yeah. What I'm saying is, yeah, just just deal with the tax rate separately. Raise yeah. taxes and do that. And just be like, this is for stuff. But also decide, <laughs> yeah, we're going to fund these things. I think that's, that's a good separate, idea. Because, you know, yeah, otherwise it does get branded as a death tax or a whatever yeah, tax. They want the death tax. They want the health care, the Obamacare tax. They want whatever tax. You know, oh, they want God. to call it something that they don't like so that they can rail against it. What you do is just say, we're going to do these things. National priorities, we want to do them. And then also say, we want to set the tax brackets at this so that the rich aren't sitting over there lording it up with their with their. I had know, a brain thingy. Yachts. I had a brain thingy. The people that are fighting these taxes are the mega rich who also own the media and can blast that shit out. Yes. Uh huh. A hundred percent. Back to Noam. Noam Chomsky would agree with you. He would also probably refer you to works of Angela Davis to read more about it. <laughs> um, They're buds. This is something that we saw play out live before our eyes. How many times did we complain that uh, we send fervent all caps texts to each other? When we were watching the Democratic debates, <laughs> when Jake Tapper's ass or whoever oh else God, would go Tapper up there and say, hell. and they would go up there and say, Mr. Sanders, sir, how do you intend to pay for <laughs> for your incredible program? The, 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 the Congressional Budget Office says this is going to blow a $3 trillion deficit and the $3 trillion hole in the deficit. How do you intend to pay for this program, sir? You really captured his chin in <laughs> your impersonation of Thanks. him. <laughs> Somehow. Uh. And, and, you know, okay, so, you know, you spend seven debates asking how are you going to pay for social program X. What they want to tell you is I'm going to put social program, uh, so I'm going to put this the tax. Bernie Sanders tax on you, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. But, hey, all of it is a farce, right? And Noam Chomsky would, would, would encourage you to peel back that veil and say, okay, well. Why are they asking the same question over and over? And then <laughs> why didn't they ask that question when they dolloped three trillion dollars worth of stimulus onto the stock market in a fucking month dude where were they then well that's because you know who's funding that thing you know they're the ones who are who are drinking at the three trillion dollar three trillion dollar trough that's hard to say yeah 
But again, I mean, the same fucking conservative ass people who tell us like, oh, millennials, you need to like stop having coffee every day to save your money. <laughs> Apparently, my landlord is also paycheck to paycheck. And so are the airlines and all these other fucking people who can't go a month without making profit. The landlords, the airlines, the malls. Uh, <laughs> Everybody's really people. in trouble. They, they, too much <laughs> avocado toast. That's what it is. You know, too, too many, many lattes. Too many lattes. lattes. Yeah. Is it turmeric or turmeric? Gosh, I, I think it's turmeric, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> You're I, like, I would expect you. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I'm the foodie. Yeah, that's hippy-dippy nonsense, Hey. Man. <laughs> I don't do yoga anymore. Um, oh, I thought you like... Um, I don't know. I, I do it sometimes. Um, it's just my dog gets in the way, and then he mm. and the cat start fighting on top of the mat. Fair enough. <laughs> it's a whole thing. But now... Um, God, we were just on before then. We we're on oh, media. These guys, yeah, no, the the uh, the uh, the fucking the landlords who have already said, listeners, landlords shouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. Don't be one. Don't support them. They're bad. You know, you can be friends with them if you want, but try to subtly convince them that their livelihood is not good. <laughs> uh, they're just, yeah, they're they're the bums. They are the paycheck to paycheck, you know, losers that they deride. In the public, they're yeah. the one. You know, they're, they're not. They're not fucking job creators, guys. No. They're not a thing. It's just not. It's ludicrous. I mean, they need you. The, the fact that they're like, oh, they're job creators. How how kind of them to give us these jobs? Like, they <laughs> need the jobs, or they don't have a fucking product. Yeah. Like, you can't just be like, I would. I have this great idea to sell computers. Like, cool. You're gonna need some help. Yep. Where did the profit come from? Yeah. You know, that's exactly what Marx was talking about. More than a hundred years ago, yeah, is it comes Dude, from some good ideas. They paid you a certain amount, and what did they get? More than that. Mm-hmm. So they—that's why they need you to show up to work. That's why they need to reopen the economy because they can no Ugh. longer bleed you dry uh, for your excess profit. You know, for that, yeah. for that labor that they're not paying you. Yeah, I have my. I, this is what I do when I remember. I, I literally had my thing. finger out the whole time, so I would remember to circle back to something. Equity, and then um, it was the imperialism. Um, another note on imperialism: um, we we're talking about how like it is completely linked to capitalism. Mm-hmm. If you think about the fucking East India Trading Company, like that was the British Empire. Like that was the whole thing. Yeah, like that's why it existed. Yeah, the British Empire. Um got all of the, its possessions essentially <laughs> via you know proto you would you would ar- you could argue that it's kind of proto capitalism back then they would have called it mercantilism oh yeah yeah because it's very state run but it's state run capitalism basically yeah know? it's it's controlled in a way by the monarchy and by the parliament or whatever they have some control over it but it's extractive it's exploitative it's racist it's racist it's imperialist it's capitalist you know mm-hmm. um in some ways in some ways i think maybe it's a little bit different but in some ways china kind of engages in, in some of this as well um in in what people call leftists disagree on what they think about this but some groups of leftists that I sympathize with more kind of call China, you know, state capitalist. Mm-hmm. Essentially, they're doing capitalism. 
and trying to provide for their people and everything, but they're also directing it by the state. Like the okay. state is kind of heavily influencing what happens where. You know? Cool. I mean, not cool, but yeah, kind of not cool. <laughs> I'm not approved. <laughs> but yeah, no, 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 you're right. Um, states, kind of, you know, Britain and other places kind of grew out of. And I think Mark's mentioned that. Do you remember we said, you know, the, the, that states essentially are there or, or came from capitalism. Yeah, yeah. And then, there. like, everyone else kind of had joined by gunpoint. Yeah. It's fucking true, man. <laughs> Nasty stuff. There's another thing. Gosh, rewind yourself. It's pretty good. Okay. Okay, yeah. Do you think capitalism hey hey i'm almost done with this wine glass do you think capitalism is inherently racist or inherently sexist i think it encourages both behaviors but i don't know if it's like yes okay (laughs) uh my simple answer of yes and then (laughs) yes and the podcast (laughs) my, my hopeful defense of it is as follows um obviously Maybe there are certain applications that completely nullify the whole argument. But what I would say is capitalism boils down to an expression of uh, might makes right. I would agree with that. Like, it's basically like who can who can squeeze the most work out of somebody else. And let's use whatever we can to make that happen, including racial and gender tensions, you know. And we see this play out now, like, yeah, people definitely, and this is a different angle slightly, but Mark's talked about, like, using religion also as a tool, too, Mm -hmm. Um, which religion can also be racist and sexist, guys. I didn't know, I don't know if you knew that, but uh, that's the thing. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely in their toolkit to use as a reason to exploit people or a reason to encourage people to be exploited. It's a, yeah, for sure. Labels people as exploitable, Mm -hmm. right? divides the proletariats to keep it from rising up in a revolutionary capacity. Um, It's also not unique to history. Like previous stages before that, of course, were sexist Mm -hmm. um, and were racist or were discriminatory. But I think that, you know, socialism and then communism are kind of unique in the sense that they are deliberately historically derive like you know the proletariat like consciously tries to move past that i guess so it's a little different but i think yeah capitalism since it relies on that i think it relies on division when it comes down to it yeah say more about that yeah so like i I think if you think about i mean the opposite of that which is a union um Mm -hmm. where you are fighting for other people who like are different than you and everything but like you are still doing the same work you're still working together in this. And I think capitalism encourages people to be out for themselves, which means it encourages. Atomization, yeah. Exactly, atomization. That's yeah. that's a great term. It encourages this, like, kind of cult of the individual. Like, you, the Rugged one individualism. person. Individualism. Yeah, like, you <laughs> are the one, you know, you as the consumer, you as the worker, you as the potential millionaire. Mm-hmm. Like you potential the, homeowner, any of it. Yeah, yeah. You are the, you know, you're the sole focus and you shouldn't think, you not only shouldn't think of the concerns of others necessarily, but you shouldn't, you should kind of be scared of the other, right? 
you, I every, think, yeah. everyone else is potentially dangerous. You know, that's why the news is so uh, <laughs> scary. So, yeah, six people were murdered in the nearby town. Whoa, you know, like or whatever. You want to be you want to keep people scared of other people, suspicious of other people and kind of unquestioning about the rest of it. I mean, I think it's also the allure of convenience. Like, I mean, I, I kind of like briefly, almost brushingly passed this earlier was, you know, where do we get our phones and our clothes from? Like, it's from like people who were basically enslaved um, and mostly brown people and really destitute areas. And we're encouraged not to think about that. And just to think about, look how nice this new phone is. And I, I think ethical consumption is a whole nother episode that I'd like to get into at some point. Cause I, I struggle with it, especially like when it gets into like ecologically and sure. Yeah. We'll call it the, I can't episode because we can't have ethical yeah. consumption. <laughs> yeah. And it's something I struggle with every day. Like, it's like, man, like is me not buying something really going to fucking bring down the system? Like, I don't want to be like defeatist about it, but it's also like, should I try to do this small good thing and support a smaller business? But it's just, yeah. it's a whole, Again, future episode, <laughs> adding it to the doc. But yeah, no, I think I think capitalism and imperialism, like you said, atomizes people, tries to get you to be to only think about yourself, tries to make you not think about the exploitation that goes on. And humans are very good at that's not great to do, <laughs> but we are great at doing it. We are successful at doing it. Is forming in groups and out groups. Yep. Yeah. It's like the first thing your brain does, basically. Like by three months, who are can, we? Who are they? Tell yeah. Who's it's in your survival group. mechanism? And I think the capitalism inherently plays on that. It is, you know, nationalist in that sense. It's it is divisive in that sense, like you said. Yeah. And that necessarily uh, makes it pit people against each other. I think another thing, and I want to be careful about how I phrase this, so like caveats to follow, don't cancel me, is I think capitalism also thrives on like gender essentialism in some ways of being like, well, you know, you were more suited for this kind of work and stuff like that. Because it, it again, it divides people, but also it, it just kind of, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, I think they go hand in hand. I'm trying to say this in like a not shitty way. <laughs> I don't believe in gender essentialism. Gender is extremely complicated, like both biologically and like psychologically. Like that's a it's a whole thing, guys. It's mm-hmm. it's way more complicated than what fucking chromosomes you have. But I think capitalism benefits from trying to reduce it because then it goes, okay, this group is stronger than this group because I said so. So let's exploit this group. And so I think it has the potential to use those divisions of gender in, in terms of who can produce more work. So like, think if, if, if capitalism posits that, you know, women are weaker than men, yeah, they can afford to pay women less. <laughs> because it just, it decides that. Yeah. And if you think about things like phrenology and, you know, that whole, you know, eugenics, yeah. it, 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 they try to use fake science to, Suppose that these humans are less good than other humans, and yeah. that way we can exploit their labor, and it's fine to do. Both of those examples would be kind of historical, though. Like they're they're kind of yeah. Most people would accept those yeah. as kind of old fashioned. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure, right? But you're saying 
that that's maybe where it stems from and still carries that weight today? Um, I don't know how much it carries today. I think you definitely saw people who are in a more traditional mindset, probably not with race, hopefully, Jesus, please no. But with sex, I think people still are like obsessed with biological sex and gender and like what that means and what it means you should do. Okay. Um, gender roles are a little more varied now, but I think there's such a big pushback to um, people who are outside the bin- binary or trans folks. Um, I think because people are fucking small-minded and scared, but also because it doesn't fit into this narrative of, you know, here's here's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You know, it, it disrupts. I mean, also, you know, you can make the same argument for queer marriages and queer partnerships and or just not being into marriage because that disrupts the nuclear family, which is a keystone of capitalism. So, like, I think that's a big reason people are scared of queer folks. Because we can fuck it up. <laughs> In a good way. I think that's a big reason why people are taught to be scared of them, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think that's that's a good point. Yeah, because... I don't know. I kind of struggle with this is how much is conscious and how much is unconscious. Like, I think that a lot of... I'm not a big believer in smoke-filled cabal rooms of <laughs> capitalists saying, we've got to do something about the queer problem, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. But I feel like unconsciously, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what mechanism drives them to do these Well, I think if you the- look at even, and we're going to get into this in another episode, but like if you look at even the recent Supreme Court decision of like, yeah, you can now sue for discrimination if you are fired for being trans or um, LGBTQ. If you think about the further implications of that, at the end of the day, people are going to have to pay more money. (laughs) And I think they don't like that. Um, If you think about, okay, so I'm, um, I mean, my, my example would be think about a white gay man couple. They're doing okay financially, (laughs) as long as their employer isn't a total bigot. Because mm-hmm. they're getting paid the salary of two white men, which is more than the salary of a lesbian relationship. Okay. So if this lesbian relationship, like, if something happens discriminatory, you know, discrimination-wise, you know, it's no longer okay to shit on them for that. Things like Title IX. It's not. It's no longer okay to fire someone for being a woman. That means you have to pay the woman the same amount as the man. So I guess what I'm just trying to say is that, like, I think queer theory, I think feminist theory, I think those things are a direct threat to capitalism. And I don't think they're okay with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is pretty good. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, this is fun. Yeah. Free flowing. We're just, we're just jamming. <laughs> well, um, I have to pee and I need to sleep. All right. I, 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 I'm still sleep. in the capitalist system, so I do have to work tomorrow. <laughs> Circle it back to Noam Chomsky. I finally found that quote about Trump. <laughs> Let's end that. Let's end with that. It was in an interview with Jacobin. Oh, Jacobin. And they asked him, could you explain what Donald Trump, why what Donald Trump is doing institutionally actually is unique and does matter on its own terms? And Noam Chomsky said, I'm do my best Noam Chomsky impression Yeah, I don't even know what his voice is, so. This sounds strong, but it's true. <laughs> Trump is the worst criminal in history, undeniably. There's never been a figure in political history who is so passionately dedicated to destroying 
the projects for organized human life on Earth in the near future. That's Ooh, one of your cats hated that. Dang, that wasn't a great Chomsky impression, you're right. <laughs> anyway, he basically said Trump wants to destroy human life on Earth wow. in the near future. Some so super villain good. shit. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> great guy, Noam Chomsky. Seems cool. Uh, great. Well, God, I know who he is person. now. He's a great person. Angela Davis, great person. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, this is one of my maxims. I feel like I tweet this every other day, which is two things can be true at once, you guys. It's a thing. <laughs> two things can be true. Yeah, for sure. Like, you can like two things. You can support two things. Like, it's going to be okay. And you can idolize neither. Don't, you don't you know, do that. Yeah. Don't have heroes. I can be your hero. Like that song. I can be your hero, baby. There you go. Something about yeah, those lines. you did a better job with the rhythm than I did. I couldn't really. Remember. Was that marking it to me? I can take your breath away. There you go. There yeah. you go. We got it. All right. All right. On that note. <laughs> on that note, we do need to close it out. <laughs> I need to um, close. So yeah, check out some Chomsky. Check out that documentary, Manufacturing yes. Consent. Check out the book too. It's good. It's you know, it just takes more time, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. the documentary gets it across in a couple hours. Cool. Um, it's on YouTube, so and it's free. on YouTube. It's for free. Gotta it's, watch some Pantene Pro V ads, and then you're in. Yeah. What are your ads? Whoa. Do you ever yeah. get Spanish ads? Because I do. Uh, no. Kyle started getting them, but I think it's just because he made a roast con pollo the other day. <laughs> well, you saw I got, what, a shampoo ad? Yeah. No, it was a body wash ad. Body wash. Oh, so you're, like, still a young man. I'm a man, yeah. Maya, Maya, Maya. <laughs> um, I don't know. I really don't pay attention to that. <laughs> no well, idea. that's good. They get Grammarly ads sometimes, you know. Mm, Maybe they you're think. You're a professional. Maybe think I'm not good at spelling. Hey, we notice you suck good at spelling. <laughs> and I'm that. like, I just think your autocorrect's going to jump in, so it's not my fault. All right, you want to wrap it up? Yeah, no. I got to pee, and I got to make sure that my cat is okay. He's very disturbed by this change of environment, so I need to soothe him. Poor kid. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Solidarity Bye. forever. Keep us lazy. All right. I hope you all enjoyed that. That was kind of different for us. Uh, just popping back in here um, in the present day to say, make sure to follow us on social media. We are on Instagram at Teach Me Communism, Twitter at Teach Communism, Gmail if you want to send us a question, teachmecommunism at gmail.com. We're also on YouTube if you want to find our episodes there. Uh, use that to listen. Make sure to review us on Apple Podcasts, rate and review. That makes us very happy. My dream is to get into that new and noteworthy category. That would be choice. And finally, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash teachmecommunism. We have been uploading our notes for each episode. Uh, obviously, this one won't have notes because we were just kind of talking out of our asses. You can hear us Googling things. But for the rest of them, it has um, any notes that I do in prep and then all the notes that Grady does because he does most of the research and, and the work, frankly. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to this fun, drunk episode. And next week, we will have more history for you. All right. Um, what does Grady say here? <laughs> You'd think I'd know. Tune in next week. There we go. Tune in next week to Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. 
bye all.